0: Trivita presents Healthy You with your host, Michael Ellison. Well, welcome to our program today. Uh, The subject that we are going to be discussing is one of my most favorite subjects. In fact, it's the uh, essential number one in my new book on the 10 Habits of Wellness. It's the subject of sleep. Uh, the science gathering around sleep these days is one of the most important things that you can do uh, in promoting wellness is just remarkable. And today, my special guest is a subject matter expert spending years on the subject of sleep. Is Dr. Daniel Gartenberg, and welcome to Healthy You, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a great uh, time together. I'm looking forward to all the information that you can share with our listeners in regard to the benefits of sleep because they are amazing. And, uh, you know, I want our listeners to know the qualifications uh, that you bring into this uh, subject and also to uh, our program today because in reading your material, I believe you're going to be making some very strong scientific facts about the benefits of sleep. And uh, the facts that you will be sharing, I think that our listeners can actually make lifestyle choices uh, that will add years to their life and quality of life. Uh, Do you agree with that statement as we get going here?
1: It is possible. I mean, there's a lot of evidence You know, healthy sleep is really one of those things that dictates your longevity and overall well-being.
0: Well, let me uh, just give a little brief bio for our listeners, um, because uh, Dr. Gartenberg received his Ph.D. in uh, cognitive psychology in 2016 and currently has an adjunct assistant professor position at Penn State University. Uh, He's also a serial entrepreneur with expertise in sleep, productivity, and how to use technology to improve worker health and personal efficiency. Now, get this. He has 10 years of experience developing sleep improvement solutions, and he obtained grants from the National Science Foundation and National Institute of Health to validate his technology. He is the CEO of Sonic Sleep AI, which is making sleep more regenerative through the science of sound, Light, temperature, and relaxation. So that sets up the qualifications that Daniel brings to our program today, and I just want to say that it's a delight and a pleasure to have you on the program today.
1: Appreciate it. What a great intro. Thank you.
0: Well, on your uh, Sonic Sleep Coach website, it says, Sleep is the new fountain of youth. And for many of our listeners, I know that they are already interested in what does that mean. We are all looking for the regeneration of you know vitality and vibrancy that we had in our youth. Can you give us a little bit more insight into that statement of the fountain of youth?
1: Sure. I mean, what's always motivated me in this is the idea that You know, sleep is something that we don't have a lot of conscious control over, and if we could just make it a little bit more regenerative, that would have, you know, major health implications. So if you could just make it maybe, you know, 5% more efficient, it could literally, you know, totally improve your memory performance the next day. And so one of the things about sleep, and you might be able to relate to this, is as we get older your sleep quality actually naturally gets worse, and it's a little bit unclear um, what's causing this. Um, But, for example, when you're um, in your 20s, you'll spend about um, 20% of your time in deep sleep, and that's the type of sleep that's thought to be the most regenerative. And then by the time you're in your 80s, you're only spending about 7.5% of time in deep sleep, Um, and you also have less amount and your quality goes down. And so there's increasing evidence and, you know, we have um, a grant right now that we're working on with actually the National Institute of Aging where it shows that improving your sleep health could actually be act as a neuroprotective mechanism against diseases like Alzheimer's where it's basically... Sleep is responsible for um, the cleaning of amyloid plaque, which is thought to be associated with the development of some of these um, sorts of dementias. But there's more than just, you know, the cognitive decline aspect of things. Like there's also simply like enhancing your sleep for, you know, an athlete or someone that wants to optimize their performance at work. Um, The links to cardiovascular disease are really strong. Um, so, for example, there's this famous Wisconsin study on obstructive sleep apnea um, that shows when it goes untreated, it can literally take about 4.5 years off of your life. So when we say that sleep is the new fountain of youth, um, what we're really pointing to is the increasing um, various you know, scientific studies that are pointing to the fact that sleep is basically associated with almost every chronic health illness, or poor sleep is associated with this. And instead of you know working out every day and you know you know eating a healthy diet, they're definitely important. But maybe a, and a more essential thing, because it's kind of a building block of both of those, is simply getting a good night of sleep.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing the uh, scientific. Uh, research right now that is bringing out uh, even in regard to, as you mentioned about, you know, brain health. You know, I call sleep the uh, maid service of the brain. Uh, It removes the uh, waste proteins and the toxins that gather there while we're awake. But when we're asleep, you know, that's a um, a major part of, of what the brain is doing during our sleep. So you make these statements, uh, in regard to adding, well, if you don't, you could lose 4.5 if you don't sleep. But if you do sleep, you can add those years just simply through uh, sleeping.
1: Exactly. So instead of you know sleep depriving yourself to hit the gym, a lot of times I'll just suggest to a client, for example, maybe skip the gym today and just get that extra hour of sleep that you need. Um. And the question of your unique sleep amount is really interesting because not only does it vary um, between people, but it also varies within an individual. So, for example, like if I had a really um, heavy lifting day at the gym or something or if I'm getting over an illness, those are times where I need better sleep quality and sleep amount.
0: Yeah, I've uh, read in regard to some of the high-performance athletes that, commit to 12 hours of sleep a day when they're at their optimal performance time. So um, definitely sleep plays a major role in regard to our performance. But there's a lot of misconceptions, uh, Daniel, around sleep and around the practices. I know for myself, you know, I'm not bragging about this, but there was a, a day in my life when I wore a badge of sleep less, do more. When mm-hmm. when they told me that I needed to sleep 7 to 8 hours a day, it was kind of like, hmm, there's 24 hours in a day and I'm going to spend a third of my life in bed, you got to be kidding me. You know, I love life. I loved everything about life. I loved my you know, my work, I loved my relationships, I loved the outdoors, I loved sports and so to me it was all out pedal to the metal. And I lived that way until I had my health crisis, you know, which was sleep deprivation that caused it. But it was amazing, uh, you know, how that I'd run into people and it's like, well, why why would you spend that much time sleeping? So go into a little bit about those, you know, misconceptions about sleep.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to change this, like, cultural thing that we have of, like, the sayings like, I sleep when I'm dead – Um, People like wearing sleep deprivation like a badge of honor. Um, In in my opinion, I mean, you can do it for a certain period of time, but at the end of the day, it's going to negatively impact your um, overall performance just because sleep is so critical to like abstract decision making and like strategic thinking. Um, So when you're sleep-deprived, a lot of times maybe you'll spend more time at something, but you'll be less effective of it or going,
0: you know, the wrong
1: direction. Um, Because, you know, healthy sleep is actually associated, like, with the ability to think divergently. Um, And, you know, to do even things like sensing, like, emotions and, like, having empathy for others. Like, it's an overarching thing. And sometimes this metaphor I use when I describe people who are chronically sleep deprived is sometimes it's like you're a fish in a fishbowl that has lived there its whole life and doesn't realize that it's in the water because it only knows water. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I don't know what exactly what your experience was, but you think that you're getting by and being okay and then when you actually start to sleep more, you can kind of see how lightened, you know, how different this is And really how much more, in my opinion, you can appreciate life when you're not tired.
0: Oh, I agree out of my own experience. You know, I went through Mayo Clinic um, because mine – I had an overactive adrenal gland. So that gave me energy and let's just say stimulation that I could, you know, keep going. And I did it for years. I did it for 30 years until I had my crash. And when I crashed, I crashed hard, you know, so that I really – I mean, there was no way that through medication or even meditation or through prayer – I mean, it was like I I did pray and ask for, you know, okay, recovery in a hurry. But I needed to learn the benefits of sleep. And today, you know, after these years of spending time – In studying sleep and the benefits of sleep and how I practice sleep in my own life, it has given me a sense of well-being that I never knew. Even though I knew performance, I never knew well-being. So, yes, it did have a big effect. Yeah, and
1: I mean part of this thing that really, you know, why I'm so passionate about this and what interests me here is that once you figure out, you know, how much sleep you need in quantity – there's also ways to sort of live a healthy lifestyle and entrain your circadian rhythm um, and really control your sleep environment. So you can actually, you know, if you have better sleep quality, you can get by on a little less sleep, for example. But first and foremost, you should kind of always, you know, there's some debate in the literature, in like the academic community right now um, about sleep need. But basically, my understanding, and a, a growing number of researchers think this as well, if you can sleep, you basically should sleep. But that being said, if you're really healthy, it is possible to basically not need to sleep as much. And I can talk more about that if, if you want to go down that path.
0: Well, I do, because I took your uh, sleep assessment. And uh, I think there's a good you know, bridge to uh, n- discuss this a little bit more, because we're all individuals. In fact, you state there on your website that there's a perfect time to eat and sleep and exercise, and we know that each of us are different, so I, you know, I took your sleep assessment. I thought it was really interesting because my perfect time to go to bed was 9:38. Now that sounds really <laughs> early to, uh, I'm sure, to uh, someone who lives in New York City. <laughs> Such yeah. as you do. But I bet
1: to twelve thirty,
0: really. Right. So the time period that I go to bed and the perfect time to go to bed is also my routine because four fifteen to four thirty is when I get up. So right. for if I'm gonna get seven to eight hours of sleep, right, then I need to do that. Uh, earlier in going to bed and the sleep assessment says 938 well when I went back and just looked at the normal times that I go to bed that sleep assessment was right on for me in the time that okay I am preparing for sleep 938. Talk a little bit more about the assessment
1: Yeah, I mean, so basically that's just like a simple free onboarding thing that we made um, where basically, you know, what the assessment is trying to get at is whether your typical patterns um, and trying to figure out if you're a morning person or an evening person, and then based on that, giving you information on your circadian rhythm that dictates that. So... Basically, how this works is um, your circadian rhythm, which you've probably heard about, um, is largely impacted by when you go to bed and when you wake up, um, and something called Zeitgebers, which are called um, timekeepers, which means timekeepers. Zeitgeber is a German word. And so sunlight is actually the biggest Zeitgeber. Um, So basically, what you want to do is try to go to bed at a time that's most consistent for you, Um, So, you know, you have to go to bed pretty early. I'm not sure exactly if you're a morning person or an evening person. But no matter the case, you have to wake up early. So you have a strict um, societal pressure that actually forces you to be a morning person. And that's actually a whole other topic is that, you know, we've actually evolved. And there's this great issue of sleep health, like how different, like, societies have evolved basically have a distribution of morning people and evening people, and some are also more flexible um, based on these environmental cues. But, like, our society is very preferential to morning people. Um, And so if you are a night person, a lot of times you're kind of in trouble because the society is forcing us to wake up really um, at a time when it's not conducive for us. And it's actually worse for kids in high school – who naturally um, have their rhythm shift to be more night people. But you, they wake, the high schools often make you wake up really early. Um, but basically, everyone's a little bit different. Your habits dictate this. Um, sunlight exposure, timing of meals, um, and when you exercise, they can all be entrenched in such a way to make your circadian rhythm more responsive. And this is also getting at sort of the fountain of youth aspect of this, where as you get older, your rhythm naturally gets, it doesn't go back, it doesn't have strong back and forth, so it kind of flattens out. And you want a healthy circadian that kind of has a peak alertness, a decline, and then another peak alertness. So, for example, I'm sort of a night person. Um, I'll usually go to bed at around 12.31 and wake up at around 9 or 8.39. I, I know I need around like eight hours of sleep, I usually spend about eight and a half in bed, which is totally normal. You're not supposed to really spend 100% of your time in bed asleep. I'll have a peak alertness at around, um, you know, 10, 11 a.m. Um, and that's, you get a peak alertness around two hours after you wake up typically. Um, and then have a decline at around two to three p.m., a little bit after lunch and then have another peak in alertness right, after, right before dinner, um, and then gradually get tired at around you know, 12 o'clock. So that, that's like one example of a circadian rhythm. And everyone's a little different, but you can actually do things in your lifestyle to sort of entrench this rhythm so your body has the right cues to know, okay, now it's time for me to relax. Um, and when you do that, you actually get a more regenerative night of sleep.
0: Yes, that that's the habit of sleep that um, you know I promote in, in the book is re- in regard to doing things in a routine manner because of the reward and the benefit of sleep is so remarkable for us and to our sense of well-being. Well then what are the cues? Well one of the things that happens if we don't uh, block out the sun living in Arizona, then early <clears> morning, okay, the sun can come into the bedroom. I'm going to be waking up you know first thing now i typically don't set an alarm clock i feel like that my body and i have a position in which i can be flexible but i i make sure that my routine in going to bed at night is a routine with all the reminders and cues as you say and then that sets me up for sleep and then i sleep until I feel like that I'm refreshed and ready to get up, and normally that's 4.15 to 4.30, which is about seven hours Mm of sleep. And uh, that is the way that I – for me, that I have found that I'm able to do it consistently and get the sleep that I need for my performance. But I also have the me first time. So my morning time from 4:30 to 6:30 that's me first. That's when I do all of those things that are good for me so that I have the vitality and the energy and the you know the ability to go out into the world and do the things that I love and purpose to do for my life. So you're saying then that they, that we can change, right? And to create those patterns and routines in order to be able to get the sleep that we need.
1: Yeah, it's basically, in sleep science, it's called chronobiology, and you basically have epigenetics where you have environmental cues that can basically impact your genetic expression. Um, So some people are more or less flexible, but you can entrench this rhythm um, and shift it with these environmental cues. As you mentioned, sunlight being one of the major ones. Um, I, I'm really a, a fan of, like, the morning rituals and the wind-down regimens. Um, and also, our, our software has an alarm clock, but we also think that, you know, sometimes you need an alarm clock, but, frankly, the best way to sleep is without one um, also. So, you know, and, but part of this in what we talk about in the in, like, the academic world is what we're doing is also sort of a separate thing, which is, creating um, stimulus control. So, like, having these cues before you go to bed that tell your body, okay, now it's time to, re- to relax. And we've really focused a lot on building these auditory associations with when to, um, you know, get into relax mode, sleep, and then wake up in the morning. And I've actually um, been playing with controlling my light routine in, like, an automated way, where I'll, for example, say, all right, I'm up in the morning to my um, virtual assistant, and then it'll do this whole wake-up regimen for me. And that's sort of the future of this space that's really exciting to me is, you know, all of these Internet of Things devices are finally getting at a place where we can really do something cool with them.
0: So that's where you're spending your time basically specializing in the science of sleep quality detection improvement and these uh, sleep technologies. Can you spend a a little bit of time here um, just to talk a little bit more about, you know, your research, but also I think you have uh, patents in in this area. Um, Speak to us about how technology could help us.
1: All right. Let's get a little nerdy here for a second, okay?
0: Sure. (laughs)
1: Okay, so basically what really reinvigorated my interest in this field, um, I I had one of these apps like 10 years ago, and I basically came to the realization that, you know, placing your phone in bed is really not accurate at detecting sleep and stuff like this. And basically when the Apple Watch came out, um, that's when we knew we could actually accurately detect sleep um, with people's heart rate data. And so what we've basically done is we've gotten these grants where we connect people with the best Internet of Things devices, uh, things like the Apple Watch. We use this device called Oura Ring. Our system would work on a Fitbit.
0: Um, and then
1: also measure sleep alongside polysomnography, which is basically this 16-electrode system um, that gives us truth on people's sleep. So people will come into a lab at Penn State We'll hook them up to these EEGs, put them on the best wearables, and from that, we're basically able to build this system that's essentially more accurate than any other wearable system on the market. But we don't just want to track the sleep. What we really want to do is try to enhance it in real time by creating the optimum sound, light, and temperature environment during the sleep. And so you want a quiet, cool, and dark environment to promote that sleep quality, Um, but also for sound and um, temperature, it actually, your ideal sound and temperature basically varies based on your sleep stage. Um, And there was this really sort of sexy finding in the literature um, about how sound can be used. Um, This lab in Germany, the first author is uh, No, named um, No in 2013 article, Show that you can basically play these sounds at the right stage of people's sleep in order to prime these more regenerative delta waves. Um, so that's the thing that we're really focusing our scientific research on, and we're about to publish the study that shows we can actually increase deep sleep um, by like 3 to 5 percent by playing these specific sounds at the right stage during sleep. Um, and we're trying to validate that. And kind of the big idea is we want to build a system where instead of you going to your doctor and then prescribing you some drug, um, you could actually get a software intervention that doesn't have any of the side effects that a lot of these drugs have. That's kind of the big vision for what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, well, we do know that uh, pharmacology also means uh, toxicity, and if sleep is supposed to be removing waste protein and toxins, then it's better for us not to be adding toxicity at the same time. Yeah. So with your technology, what it's doing is it's bringing us in and going back to my statement, it allows the uh, maid keeper to be able to do its job in cleansing the brain and uh, giving us a healthier brain. Uh, there's a, I know there's sounds that you have. So, do you have those available? Because I'd like to just have our, you know, our listeners listen to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to pull it up right now. So those sounds, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like ocean waves. And basically, it's at the same pulse rate as your... I, mean, I know it sounds kind of weird, but basically, it's all about the pulse rate of those sounds. And the pulse rate is basically happening at a rate of 0.8 hertz. And that's the same frequency as your delta wave brain brainwaves. Um, and, you know, originally, this, this, basic sci- this science comes out of something called transcranial direct current stimulation where initially they showed that they can basically play this, um, zap your brain with a very low level of electricity and prime different um, frequencies of brain states. Um, And obviously that's a little bit invasive. You know, you can't really give that to consumers. But then what this uh, lab showed is that you can actually do a similar thing with just audio sounds alone, because basically the auditory cortex picks up this frequency, and then it primes the state in your brain. Um, and we've actually, when you see this on the EEG, it's almost a little bit magical. You know, we'll get people into a uh, light or deep sleep state, um, and we have this way of systematically playing the sounds and sort of walking this tightrope between getting the brain to respond to the sound but not pushing the person into waking up. Um, And so we're basically able to understand the science of how sounds can amplify your deep sleep brainwave and also how to mask disruptive sounds um, that you might be surprised like things like as innocuous as like an air conditioning coming on at night can actually wake up your brain without you having any conscious awareness of it. So we're using sounds to both mask and then also enhance your sleep um, throughout the night.
0: Well, my wife loves the sound of the ocean. And for her, those waves, okay, not necessarily the big crashing waves, but the waves. When we, we, we love to go to Hawaii. We've been going to Hawaii for over fifty years. Mm-hmm. Every year we go there and it's her opportunity to, you know, put her toes in the sand and to listen to those waves. And it it brings her into a very deep relaxation and calmness and sleep. Uh, I'm more a little bit more of a mountain person. I love the wind in the pines. I Mm. just think that that noise, okay, so this white noise that we've, you know, out of nature that calms us, you're saying that you can replicate a white noise and connect it to our heart and our rhythm and bring about even a deeper uh, calmness and relaxation over each night rather than taking vacations.
1: We have those in our software, too, like wind in the, in the forest and the ocean waves to kind of relax the mind. From the science perspective, what's relaxing about that is that there's no abruptness in the sound. So, for example, like a wind comes on over a gradual period of time and then kind of fades out. So we've kind of evolved to be sensitive to abrupt sounds. Um, so those are particularly disruptive because essentially, like... You don't want to get eaten by an animal when you're asleep, so we're particularly um, disturbed by any abrupt sounds. Whereas sounds that come on gradually and fade out gradually, those are the ones that are less that you know can mask other disruptive sounds, um, and can also you know if applied the right way to possibly enhance your your deep sleep brainwaves.
0: So let's go into some of the practical things maybe that, you know, our listeners can do. Because you talk about sleep habitat. Uh, Take us for a moment into sleep habitat along with the device that you're talking about. But what can they do in a habitat um, situation?
1: It's a little bit different for everybody. So part of what we're trying to do is create a system that detects what uniquely is going on with you So, for example, you know, if you're someone that has, say, insomnia, the system would give very different feedback than if you're just trying to, like, optimize your sleep. But when we say a sleep habitat, what we're really talking about is reducing the blue light at night, um, making sure you're not, like, waking up sweaty or something, and there's various solutions on the market now for controlling body temperature at night, A simple solution, I have a blog post called Split Blankets, Not Beds, where you can just, you know, have sometimes the sleep partner and different temperature needs is one of the driving issues. Like, when I do my consultations with people, usually it's just, like, me trying to figure out, like, is it a pet jumping on the bed that's causing this? Is there a temperature issue? Um, Can we implement, you know, our adaptive sound machine, which is in our software? Um, Are you just not getting enough deep sleep? Um, And one of the easiest interventions that I have for people oftentimes um, when they're trying to entrench their rhythm is instead of, as you were talking about the pharmacological interventions, instead of that, why don't we take the most natural pharmacological intervention, which is natural sunlight? Um, And so just getting like 30 minutes of exposure to sunlight before 12 noon It's one of the easiest ways that you can sort of improve your sleep quality actually at the nighttime. Um, And there's like happy lamps and stuff like this set up to do this. I have actually um, this thing called Life X set up in my apartment where I'll just say like, okay, I'm up and the lights will turn on and I'll make sure that I get this light exposure that I need in the morning on those cloudy days where I typically, you know, might not get it. I can give you a hack that I found personally very useful um, recently, if, if you're interested. Yes, um, I
0: am. I'm, I'm very interested in the light because I live in Arizona, but I've never associated light with sleep. I've always associated light interrupting sleep in the early morning when the sun comes. So you're saying if I go out into the sunlight okay, before noon and I spend 30 minutes Okay, in the sun, that that is going to enhance my sleep at night.
1: Exactly, yeah. I feel like the media has really focused on the no blue light at night. right? And it is true, like blue light at night is bad. But the other side of the coin is when you get light during the time when your body should be getting light, which is basically in the morning, it gives your body that information like, okay, I should be alert now, And therefore, it entrenches that rhythm and also tells your body, okay, I I will be tired later.
0: Well, that's great. I have a a new routine to add to my life to enhance my sleep.
1: Just drink
0: my coffee looking at the sun.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And there's these, like, 10,000, if you just go to Amazon and type, like, 10,000 lux lamps, like, I'll eat my breakfast with this lamp very close to my eyes Um, because you have to really get a high dosage to have a strong effect.
0: Well, that's great for all of our listeners to hear about that who don't happen to live in Arizona where the sun shines a lot.
1: And a lot of the, these places that are really up north don't get much sunlight, so it's definitely an issue there. Great. For me, what I found really useful lately is, you know, running my own company, I'm kind of always in fight-or-flight response mode with my phone buzzing all the time. And this is an issue that I've talked to a lot of our clients about, um, which is, you know, not being able to settle the racing minds. And what I've done recently is I've actually turned off all notifications on my smartphone um, and just kind of tried to put the technology in its place where I'll look at the phone when I want to look at the phone and kind of creating this boundary between you and your work-slash-device is something that I think is really important, especially today. But that's my final spiel about it.
0: That's great, and I agree with you. It can be very, very much a uh, interruption in our life when all the different devices that we have uh, demand a response. It's how do we put that into the right place and the right time for a response, and not always be on the, the high response charge of flight or fight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think like, the technology nowadays like, kind of makes us always in a slightly flight or flight response mode, um, and that's one of the driving reasons why I think nowadays our sleep quality is getting worse. And if anything, since sleep is really how our brains make sense of all the information that we consolidate over the course of the day, and we're being bombarded with all these facts nowadays, I would argue that if anything, we need to sleep more and better. Um, which is one of the main impetuses for what we're doing.
0: Yes, I agree totally with that. I would like to uh ask you to give an invitation to our listeners to how they may engage with you, uh and where can they get the devices in the you know, in the future that uh uh, you offer with your uh, uh, Sonic Sleep AI. Tell our uh, listeners where they may be able to engage.
1: So yeah, if you just go to sonicsleepcoach.com dot um, we have an iOS app that's on the store now that does a lot of the um, sound interventions and has the smart alarm clock and whatnot. And we're about to launch it on Android as well in the next couple weeks. And we're you know doing a, a full launch of the product soon on Apple Watch in like a month or so. And then I also do you know, sleep coaching um, just a couple times a week. So if you go to sonicsleepcoach.com, you can find all that information about what we're making and you know, how to set up an appointment to try to hack your sleep.
0: Well, it's been a very uh, informative and inspiring time uh, with you, Daniel. And uh, we've been speaking with Dr. Gartenberg. Uh, he's Ph.D. in Cognitive Psychology and also an adjunct assistant professor at Penn State University. He is spending his time uh, in what I consider to be one of the most important aspects of uh, health and well-being, and that is to enhance sleep. So, Daniel, thank you for your time, and thank you for sharing years of research, and uh, I know many will benefit from This opportunity and also uh, benefit from the devices uh, that you invent in the future.
1: I appreciate that, Michael. Hope you sleep well tonight.
0: Thanks for listening to Healthy You. To learn more about our guest, check the episode notes to find books, products, and services mentioned in this episode. This is provided for your information only and may not be construed as medical advice or instruction. These statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It is intended for your general knowledge only and not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment for any specific medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician with any question you may have regarding a medical condition.